Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And he hits one into left field. Back at the track, at the wall, it's a 1-1 game. Scott Rowland gets his first home run in the postseason since 2004 when he went deep off Roger Clemens in Game 7 of the NLCS. Now Rowland with a chance to give the Cardinals a lead for the first time tonight. Which he does. Is it going? Yeah. Rowland, deep left field. Moore going back at the track. Grimsley, I'm Randy Carricker. It's 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And today, hopefully, is the day that former Cardinal Scott Rowland will be elected to Baseball's Hall of Fame. And MLB Network is going to have nine hours of coverage that gets underway at the top of the hour. Joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is MLB Network's Tom Verducci, who is going to be a huge part of the coverage today. Tom, thanks for joining us here in St. Louis. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, yeah. It's always a big day on the baseball calendar. Always look forward to it. And based on your observations, the other voters that you talk to, what do you think of Scott's chances today? Man, he's right on the borderline. Of course, 75%, that's the threshold you need to get elected to the Hall of Fame. And I'm going to be optimistic and say that he's going to just edge over that line. But, man, it's going to be super close. And the way I see it right now, it's, for this vote anyway, Scott Rowland or a shutout. Wow. Uh, So, uh, you know what I I thought, Tom, at least until the last couple of days, I thought that Andrew Jones would make more of a run. It looks like Helton is actually making more of a run than Andrew Jones is. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think Helton is definitely picking up some more votes here. Um, And you look at Scott Rowland's trajectory. It's been amazing. I mean, if he does get elected, and I think he gets elected either this year or next year, if he does, it'll be an unprecedented climb for someone who had, I think it was 10% support his first year. Um, I think the all-time record for the lowest first-year support for someone eventually elected by the writers, not by a committee, is 17% by Duke Snyder. And you've had both Helton and Roland both start out super low on the ballot, throwing Billy Wagner there as well. So. I think when we compare, you know, tracks of other guys who've been put into the Hall of Fame, I think voting patterns are a lot different. So historical comparisons don't always work apples to apples. But, uh, yeah, Roland has continued to pick up a lot of votes. That's why I think momentum has been on his side. Tom, what do you think that it is? Do you think that there's not many third basemen who've been elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame? Do you think that there is a reasoning for that? Yeah, I don't think there's any one particular reason. If Scott does get elected, I think he'd be only the ninth elected by the writers. And you think about, well, is there a bias? Are there guys who you know should have been elected that weren't? You're thinking about guys like Buddy Bell, 
uh, Greg Nettles. There's not obvious third baseman who've been left out. Um, I, I just think the position has changed over the years. I mean, first of all, when I look at Scott Roll, to me what stands out is you start with the offensive numbers. They're really good. But to me, his base running and his defense, when you combine those things, you don't really look at third baseman that way, right? We measure a lot of middle infielders with some of the things they do on the bases and defensively. But Roland, to me, was a complete package at that position. In fact, you look at third baseman with 300 home runs and 100 stolen bases. You think, well, you know, those aren't really super high thresholds, but there's only been a handful of guys that have done that at third base. you got Mike Schmidt. Beltre, Adrian Beltre is going to go in next year, first ballot. Chipper Jones, George Brett, and then Scott Rowland. That's it. So it's not like the position is just swimming with guys with huge numbers. Uh, and Rowland does stand out on those handful of guys who played the game really well on both sides of the ball. MLB Network's Tom Verducci with us on 101 ESPN. And today is Hall of Fame Day. All of the coverage on MLB Network, and it gets underway at 2 o'clock Central Time, and we'll head to the vote at 5. Tom, one more thing about Scott Rowland, and I know you're great at savoring what you're watching in baseball. 2004, Cardinals had Larry Walker and Albert Pujols and Rowland, and then Edmonds, who probably if he played in a different era would have been a Hall of Famer. Half of your starting eight was essentially borderline Hall of Famers. We think that's the best Cardinal team we've ever seen. They won 105 games. They get swept in the World Series by a team of destiny in the 04 Red Sox. But, man, did we have it good in that part of that decade. Yeah, I can't agree. I can't disagree with you. I think that team was absolutely loaded. I mean, Jim Edmonds, to me, was always a guy that should have been more had more support, so he was able to stay on the ballot more than one year to kind of get this momentum we're seeing with Scott Rowland. It's interesting you bring up that team because I'm going to, during the show today on MLB Network, I'm going to do a breakdown about what I think is Scott Rawls' most important at bat, and that was the tie-breaking home run in Game 7 off of Roger Clemens in 04. And what's interesting to me going back and looking at that is the Astros were up a run, Albert Pujols at the plate with a runner on third base, and Scott Rollins hitting behind him. And Phil Gardner, the Astros manager, goes out to the mound to talk to Roger Clemens. And, of course, with a veteran pitcher, you give him the option if you want to pitch to Albert Pujols or pitch around him. I mean, you're protecting a one-run game in a winner-go-home game. And Clemens wants to go after Albert Pujols. Why? Partly because he's got Scott Rowland on deck. I thought that said a lot about Scott's uh, respect in the game and the stature that he did have. And, of course, Albert gets the double to tie the game, then Roland hits the home run to put the Cardinals ahead. So, I, to me, that was a key moment to see the kind of respect that Roger Clemens, one of the all-time greats, gave to to, to uh, Scott Rowland to say, you know what, I, I just can't put Albert on and pitch around him uh, because I know Scott Rowland is sitting there, and he certainly came through besides just being that, that force, uh, intimidating force on deck. It seems like always this time of year, we always have two kind of the ethical questions that come up with the Hall of Fame ballot. Obviously, Barry Bonds not on the ballot, but Carlos Beltran, his role with everything with the Astros. But as a player, you would say 100% he should get in. What do you think about does he get in? Should he get in? Your thoughts on that? Well, he's not getting in his first year, and I think some of this is just a a reluctance just to check that box when the sign-stealing scandal of Houston is so fresh, and especially because Beltran's role in that was so prominent. You know, he was the only player mentioned in that report, active player on the Astros at the time, but there's a couple of reasons for that, because the Players Association didn't want those players cooperating. Beltran had just retired, so 
it was circumstantial that he happened to be the only one named. But when you do read it, you understand that he was more than just a bystander or somebody who went along with this. Uh, he was very instrumental. In fact, the teammates, according to the athletic, called him the godfather, that he wanted to really take charge of what was going. Remember, he played for the Yankees for three years. He gets there and he says, you guys are behind the times. Mm-hmm. And he comes up with a system to have the, the camera or at least the monitor close to the dugout. And then when the story broke, he lied about it. He said he wasn't aware of a center field camera and they only stole signs legally. That wasn't true, obviously. Then he did his first interview with Yes Network. And he, you know, he basically said, listen, nobody told us to stop. And if they did, we would have stopped. And that's a lie as well, because Brian McCann's teammate told him to stop. Uh, of course, A.J. Hinch, the manager, broke a television monitor signaling to the players to stop. And he just kept doing it. So, listen, I think he has Hall of Fame numbers. His numbers are almost identical to Andre Dawson's. The package of speed and, and power in center field is a rarity in the game. Um, but I, I just think the level of what he did in this game is so high. And it, again, it's still so fresh in people's minds. I think eventually he might get in. Um, but to just check that box first year is hard for a lot of people. Tom Verducci, MLB Network. A couple of more things. Number one, we've had, I, I think, more than 50% of the closers in the Hall of Fame. We've had Eckersley, we had Lee Smith, we had Bruce Souter. And. Billy Wagner, to me, is the best left-handed closer of all time. I know that it's been a long time for, and Mariano Rivera, obviously, and Hoffman are the best ever. I think the best left-handed closer of all time is Billy Wagner. How do you look at him and his Hall of Fame viability? Yeah, I can't disagree with you. I think when you look at Wagner, what stops a lot of people is he didn't throw a 1,000 innings, um, and his postseason resume was short, and it wasn't very good. Um, but when you just break it down, you look at the universe of pitchers who threw at least 900 innings, which Billy did. I mean, he was as dominant a pitcher left or right as ever pitched in this game. When you look, he has the lowest strikeout, the lowest batting average against, the highest strikeout rate, uh, the lowest whip. I mean, this guy was just nasty on, on right-handers and left-handed hitters for a long time. You know, he's kind of a product of his times. He was a one-inning closer for the most part of his career. He wasn't asked to go get like Rivera, four or five, six outs sometimes, he did what he was told. So you have to go by the role that he played. And I, I just think his dominance against hitters is his single greatest argument to be a Hall of Famer. When you, you know, you're up there among the very best at limiting offense, that's what your job is. Uh, would you like him to have you know, more innings or, or maybe some more moments in the postseason? Sure, but I can't hold against I can't hold against him the way his managers used him, right? And that was the way he was used, and he did it really well. So he's been gaining traction, I think, because of the lack of 1,000 innings that's held him back. I think eventually he is a Hall of Famer. Um, Let's see if he, he picks up some more votes this year. We have a segment coming up a little bit later about where we're going to discuss Cardinals grace that we think should have or should be in the Hall of Fame, at least. And top of my list is Kurt Flood. Is there any Cardinals players or Cardinals greats that you are kind of surprised haven't made it? Yeah, for years it was Ted Simmons, and I was so happy he got in. Um, he always stood out to me as one of those guys that I, I look, kind of look at outliers when I look at Hall of Famers, right? Like we talked about Roland and his complete package, Wagner and his – what he does does to limit offense. To me, Jeff Kent is a Hall of Famer because he's such an outlier offensively at second base. He hit like a first baseman. Um, So certainly Kurt Flood stands out in that regard. You talk about changing the game. Wow. (laughs) I mean, that's a definition of a Hall of Famer. 
Uh, and I thought that way with Simmons as a switch hitting catcher who played a long, long time. He was just so good. And I was a Mets fan growing up, and it seemed like he always killed the Mets as well. So that's a, a personal angle. But those ones stand out to me. I would have no problem whatsoever of having Kurt Flood in, in Cooperstown at all. I think that's a great call. Last thing for Tom Verducci. I was sitting with Ozzie Smith the other night. We were talking about how when we watched Ted Simmons play, we knew he was a Hall of Famer. The same thing with Fred McGriff. And I love the new committees that are kind of righting some of the wrongs. The voters don't always get it right, in my mind. And you have an essay today that's voiced by the crime dog. And obviously, you believed that he should have been a Hall of Famer, too. Tell us about the essay that uh, the crime dog voiced that's going to appear today on MLB Network. Yeah, I think one of the cool things about this day, this Hall of Fame uh, election day, is it's so binary, right? You're either in or you're not. You either get to 75% or you're not. And once you're in, I don't think anybody really cares how you got in, how long it took. And I think Fred McGriff is a great example of that. Ten times on the ballot. I was shocked he didn't get more support. I voted for Fred every year. Uh, And now he's in through this uh, contemporary baseball committee. And that's all that matters. He's a Hall of Famer, right? And he'll always have that, um, that kind of stature that you know he's among the top one percent who ever played this game so the essay is about the weight and for fred i mean it took a long time you think about when he played his last game probably back in 05 i think it was and now you know scott Rowland, billy wagner all these names we mentioned you know jeff kent this is his last year his 10th year he's not getting in but i I think he's going to be the next mcgriff if you will where he gets on a veterans committee and he's going to go in unanimously it's like what are you people why (laughs) did you vote this guy in you know yeah so i agree with you said there's something to you know your perception of a player when you watch him it's not the be all in the end all we have a million stats and it's great we can break these guys down but there is something to the fame quotient and to me, McGriff and Kent and those guys have that same quotient as well, where you shouldn't have to think too hard about it. So the essay is about rewarding these guys um, and the long wait to get into, let's face it, the highest honor you can give anybody in baseball. Well, I, I can tell you this because it happens every year on this date, is that I'll be sitting at home saying, you know, i got to get in for a workout. Oh, no, this next thing's coming up on MLB Network. <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave now. No, there's another thing coming up on MLB Network, and you know that I'm going to be on the couch all day watching you guys because you do such magnificent work. It'll be fun today. Tom, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Great to have you on the air here in St. Louis. I appreciate it so much, guys. Enjoy. Thanks. Take care. Tom Verducci, MLB Network, and he is great and probably the best baseball observer that wasn't Mm -hmm. a, a former player that we have in our country.